Good morning, everyone. By my watch, I've got time to start. I might be a minute fast. Good morning, Walt. <laughs> How you doing? It's good to see everybody this morning. I'd like to take this time to welcome you to worship service here at Rome. I thought Jeremy's going to hand me something. Now I've lost my train of thought. Took about that long. <laughs> I'd like to welcome you here at Rome. Today we have what we call Church Eat Church. Well, I think Aaron started that a long time ago. <laughs> but anyway, that's what it's developed into. We have uh, lunch right after services, and then we come back at 1 p.m. for afternoon service, and we'll not be meeting at the building at 6 p.m. If you'd turn your cell phones off, put them on quiet, completely off or whatever, we'd appreciate that also. A couple, three things this morning. The elders met on Wednesday, and we'll meet again this Wednesday, and we have some things coming up in November. Men's planning meeting will be November the 12th. That's a Saturday. Start eating around 8 We'll try to start the meeting at 8.30 if everybody's got the dishes cleaned up. And you ladies would be surprised how good we are cleaning up a kitchen when you're not watching. <laughs> no, we get it done. But anyway, also the month of November is food drive for the whole month. That's a service that, that uh, Brian Ward takes a lot of work, puts a lot of work into and... Uh, They'll sort through everything, and if there's anything that's old, it gets replaced or thrown away, and sometimes you get dates of stuff of 1998. <laughs> it's always fun when we have the routes, and they go out and pick everything up and come back, and sometimes you'll find some older dates on some things. Also on uh, November the 20th, will be special needs contribution. Last year, we didn't do the special needs contribution. This started about 20 years ago and was a building fund debt retirement contribution. And the debt for the building has been paid. And so then we needed funds to help maintain the building and so we ended up, now we call it special needs contribution. And last year, we didn't need any special needs contribution due to the fact that uh, we never know when somebody leaves the congregation money. And last year, I think we had two donations that ended up about $145,000 donated to the congregation here. That money has been spent in plus in one project. You know, we sit in here and it's nice and comfortable and it's cold, it's warm, it's hot, it's cool, but when it rains, seats got wet. We had to put a roof on the building and par roofing put the roof on, on our building and everything we think now, hopefully, that you get the caulking done around the, there's some caulking, special caulking that has to be done around the 
lights or the, the windows in the top and that should finally stop everything. But the roof itself alone was $175,000. Due to the, uh, and also the, the, or the classroom section, the two-story classroom section, it's, it's plus 20 years old because the building is plus 20 years old. We had to put air conditioners in there. Between the air conditioners, and then we had to get a new copier. We paid, I think, $5,000 cheaper for the copier we got now than the one that it was replaced, if I remember correctly. But anyway, we spent about $200,000. So we're making sure that we don't pile our money up, but budget, end of the year budget to make everything work and come out and meet the budget, and we run behind that sometimes and but that's why we're doing the special needs contribution on the 20th so that we can have all the bills paid and take care of everything that, that physically needs to be taken care of here at the building to keep it in working order. <clears throat> we were just talking in the back, a couple, three of us men, and, and to replace this building now, we couldn't do it. It's just something that that's started off in... I think 1951 and has been added to ever since. And, and, but it's in good shape, everything's taken care of. Jeremy takes a lot of work and does a lot with, uh, with the contractors. Steve Picklesheimer works with PAR roofing. He helped us a ton on, on the roof and, and we appreciate all that. But that's, that's why for the special needs contribution and that'll be on the, the 20th of this month. We've done it several times in the past and we need to do it again. This morning I'd like to read Psalms 100 before we begin. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Would you bow with me before we begin, please? Father, we're thankful for this beautiful day of life that you've given us. We're thankful for your son who came and died for each of us. We're thankful for the opportunity to be here, to be in this worship service to you. We pray, Father, that the things we do will be pleasing unto you. We ask that you be with John as he leads us in our singing, as we surround that table, and be with Chris as he presents us with a lesson. We pray that you watch over our sick and our shut-ins, go with us through this service, forgive us, in thy son's name we pray, and amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? And just one quick announcement before we begin. The children's Bible hour period uh, will just be for the two and three-year-olds today. Uh, the 
auditorium is set up for the potluck and there's no real place for a class. So just the two and three year olds will be having children's bottle hour. Let every heart rejoice and sing, number 388. Let every heart rejoice and sing, let all the lambs rise, Next hymn this morning, number 741, What Shall It Profit? 741. And after this hymn, Brother Nathan Payne will have our scripture reading and prayer. Not our gold and silver can make a sinner whole. What shall it profit thee, O man? Thou shouldst lose thy soul. What shall it profit a man? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The heaping up of riches to many seems much gold, but in the eager rush for wealth, forgotten is the soul. What shall it profit a man? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world? And 
This solid question answer is worldly gain thy goal. Can bleeding riches be compared to an immortal soul? What shall it profit a man? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole? bow with me, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together with different people from different walks of life, all with one mind and all in one heart and all with one purpose, and that is to serve your high and holy name. We ask that you be with us as we go throughout this worship service. We ask that it be pleasing to your high and holy name, and may us, may we be reminded that this is not a practice or a blessing that is shared throughout the world, whether we, are, we live in a country where this opportunity to gather freely without fear of persecution or death to serve and to honor our Lord and Savior, we ask that you help us to be mindful of this blessing and help us to be bold when we go throughout our community to spread and share your uh, love for all mankind and re- help us to remember those who are suffering in places where we're praising your name is met with punishment and death. We ask, Father, that you be with the number that were mentioned previously. There are many among our congregations that are on our hearts and on our minds suffering from from different illnesses and cancers, and we ask that you be with each and every one of them. Be with those who who are tending to them, who are comforting them. Be with the doctors and the nurses and all the the medical personnel who who are working to help heal the body, but Lord, we know that you are the great physician, and when we put our faith and trust in you, you know, all things are possible. Lord, we ask that you be with Chris as he comes up here later to give his lesson, and may you help him remember the things that he has studied, and, and may he be able to present them in a clearer, concise way that if there is one here today who has not named you as their Lord and Savior, that they do so before it's everlastingly too late. And Lord, help us to Put the cares of the world aside as we gather around your table in just a moment. May we remember the sacrifice that your son made for us. And may we remember that that great act of love was done because we were found worthy of love. Continue to be with us as we go throughout this day. And forgive us when we go wrong. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Scripture, scripture reading for this this morning will be from the book of Proverbs. I'll be reading from the 30th chapter, verses 7 through 9. Proverbs 30, 7 through 9. Two things I ask you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you, and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and still, and so dishonor the name of my God. 
Next hymn this morning, number 742, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. <clears throat> when I survey the wondrous cross on which the The night before his death, Jesus gathered his disciples to eat the Passover meal. Every year, Jewish people meet to celebrate the Passover. This is a special meal designed by God to celebrate the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. After 400 years of slavery, God would save them and send them to Canaan, a land promised by God. Whenever an Israelite participated in the Passover feast, he would remember God delivered his nation from Egypt. The Passover today celebrates this historic deliverance, but tragically misses the greater deliverance that it foreshadowed, the cross of Christ. Jesus took that ancient feast and transformed it into a new meal with a new meaning. He instructed his disciples to drink the cup and eat the bread. Therefore, Calvary had superseded the Exodus from Egypt as the greatest redemptive event in history. 
Christians don't recall the blood on the doorstep of the last, last plague, but the blood shed on the cross. The Lord's Supper is a memorial that Christ instituted himself. He became the ultimate deliverance from sin when he died on the cross. I'd like to read from Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 25. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say unto you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Would you bow with me as we pray for the bread? Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day, Father, and we're thankful for this, this new supper that Christ instituted for us, Father. We're thankful for his willingness to go to that cross to offer up his body for us, Father. We pray that we, as we partake of this bread, we do so in a meaningful manner. And so in Jesus' name I pray, amen.
balconies to give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Father, we come to you thanking you for Christ's willingness to shed his blood on that cross for us, Father. We're thankful for what that blood does for us. And we pray as we partake of this cup, we do so thinking of, of that sacrifice he made for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That concludes the Lord's Supper. While the ushers are still on the floor, we have the opportunity to partake of another commandment uh, God has given to us, and that is the offering. Uh, we, we live in a blessed time, and this is the uh, great chance we have to give back to our community. Would you bow with me as we partake? Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day, Father, and we're thankful for all the blessings you give us, Father. We're thankful for our jobs, Father, and, and the 
the ability to, to help support our families and to help support this church as well. Father, we pray that you would be with this offering. Pray that you'd be with the elders as they oversee it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 684, This World Is Not My Home, 684. <clears throat> it's at this time that the two and three-year-olds may go to the children's Bible hour. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. From heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home. Oh, Lord, you know I 
Please be seated. <clears throat> Imitation hymn this morning, number 356. Jesus is tenderly calling. 356. Brother Chris. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you with us this morning. We are continuing our series on the book of Proverbs today. We're talking about money. And we're calling this series, Don't Be Dumb. Uh, and so if there's anything in this world that will make you look dumb quick enough, it's money. And so the Proverbs has an awful lot to say about how to use money and how to use it wisely, how to use it God's way. So we're going to look through those this morning. We've got seven rules to keep you from being dumb about money. Well, here they are. Here's rule number one. Before you do anything else with your money, you honor God with what you've got. Before you do anything else with your money, before you pay your bills, before you set aside for retirement, before <clears throat> you pay your, your children's tuition at college, you honor God with what your money or with what, with what you have. Let's look at some biblical principles. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, he says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So what, what's this deal with the first fruits? What are first fruits? Well, he talks about first fruits quite a bit in Scripture. And in fact, he's going to talk about them uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 26. So flip over to Deuteronomy 26 real quick and we'll look at what it means to have first fruits. Deuteronomy 26. So... As the children of Israel are entering the promised land, they've, <coughs> they've left Egypt. They've wandered in the wilderness for several days now, and they're looking forward to going into Canaan. And he's already promised them, when you get there, you're going to get to live in houses you didn't build. And you're going to get to reap vineyards that you didn't plant. And so what are you going to do? This is the perfect scenario for a group of people that are moving into a brand new country and everyone in that country is leaving. So you get to live in their houses and you get to plant or you get to reap the benefits of their hard work with the fruits and vegetables that they planted and you get to do that immediately. You don't have to wait a whole season to be able to plant vegetables and eat them be able to plant orchards and eat them, you get to eat them immediately. And so what are you going to do? Listen to what he says, Proverbs, or excuse me, Deuteronomy 26, verse 1. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you, which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and it shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who was in office at that time. And you shall say to him, I declare today that the Lord your God, that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall take and you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. And there he became a nation, great and mighty and populous. And the Egyptian, Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated. 
humiliated us and laid on us a hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And, <clears throat> and the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and outstretched arm with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. So he says, when you come into this land, because God's done this amazing thing, this thing that is unbelievable, he's kicked out not one, not two, not five, but an entire nation worth of peoples out of a land. You could not have done that, Israelites. You're not warriors. You're a bunch of farmers who used to be slaves. And now you're a whole group of warriors. This is not your doing. You haven't done this thing, God Yahweh has done this thing for you. And so when you come into the land that you didn't fight for, not really. They didn't do this of their own power. They picked up the swords, but God fought the battle for them. And you get to live in the houses that you didn't build. Somebody else built them for you and God gave them to you. And you get to reap the benefits of those people's hard labor with the, the fruits and the vegetables. You take what's first. The first fruits, the, the ripe the things that are ripe when you come into the land and you give those to the Lord. Now, that may not sound like that big a deal to you because you can go to Walmart, you can go to Kroger, and you can get something new, right? These guys don't have that. And so they have what is in their vineyard. And so if there's nothing in their vineyard or if they give it all to the Lord or perhaps Everything looks good, but then a swarm of locusts come up two weeks later and eat everything that wasn't ripe when they gave all that stuff to the Lord. Then they don't have anything to eat on. Or what if it stops raining as it's wont to do in this section of the world and the rest of their crop goes to pot? You see how they can get into a pretty serious financial situation very quickly, right? He says, when you come into this land that I've given you, you not only take note of how good I have been to you, but you show your appreciation. You show your trust in me. By the time they actually set foot in Canaan, which is going to be about 40 years from the writing of Deuteronomy 26, because they did not trust in the Lord. But by the time they actually set foot in Canaan, they will. They will trust in Yahweh because they have seen the deliverance that he's given to them. And he's saying, this is just one more sign that you trust in me because you give the first. You give off the top. And so that's what we do too. As Christians, we live in an, under a much better covenant than they do. And so we ought to give more. We ought to be more generous because he's been more generous to us than he was even to them. Right? And so we give the first Fruits, before we do anything else, before we buy our groceries, before we do anything else with our money, we honor Him. Sometimes we look at our budget and we say, well, this is what the electric bill is. This is what groceries are. This is my, my bill for, uh, uh, for student loans. This is the next bill. Here's my savings. Here's my vacation. This little section over here is what I'm going to give to the Lord. You're looking at it backwards, you see. He wants the first fruits. And so you look over everything and say, well, this is trust in Him. 
This is me trusting in Him when I give Him off the top, not what I've got left over. You want to be not dumb with money? You want to be smart and be wise with money? The first thing we have to do is honor Him before we do anything else with our money. Second thing, we need to be generous to the poor. We need to be generous to the poor. There's a moral principle um, that's always true with money. You can't be blessed and keep it to yourself. It's not how he functions. And so Proverbs 11 brings that to, to our attention. He says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. So the principle is here that you, you keeping money to yourself is a way of hurting you. A lot of times we think of, well, it's my money. I'm going to keep it as close to me as possible. And I'm going to check my online banking daily so that I can make sure that all the money is actually there. And I keep it very close, right? We keep a close watch on our money. He says, that's not, that's not wise. Not necessarily, right? At least keeping it all to myself isn't wise. Money was meant to be used. It's a tool. It's not something that was designed to make you happy. He was designed to make you, well... He designed you to be in relationship with Him, which makes, which, which makes you, makes us happy. Money doesn't have that power. It was meant to be used. It was meant to be a blessing to other people. And so we find the principle here in Proverbs 11 that you keep it real close to you. It doesn't, doesn't work, but you find it spelled out for you even more clearly in Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14, verse 21. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Check out verse 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. And so with our money, we help those who are less fortunate than ourselves. If you want to not be dumb with money, that's one of the rules that we have to live by. The first one, you honor God with everything you have before you do anything else. Second thing is be generous to the poor. God's always cared about generosity toward the poor. Uh, this is a picture of Ruth, a likening of Ruth, uh, who is probably the most famous gleaner. A gleaning is an Old Testament principle. So uh, basically how it would work was if you owned a farm, you could not harvest the edges uh, or the corners of your farm. You had to leave those for the poor folks, the ones who didn't have a farm on their own or the ones who did not have enough to eat on their own could just come by and pick off an ear of corn off of your, out of your field and eat it. And it wasn't considered, considered stealing, it was considered you taking care of people God always wanted you to take care of anyhow. And so you find that principle in the Old Testament, and it repeatedly uh, comes into play throughout the Old Testament, most notably perhaps with, with Ruth um, there in her story. So God's always cared about generosity toward the poor. Certainly, He still continues caring about uh, how we take care of the poor. Um, 
Proverbs 19, verse 17, you've got the 1431 already, but Proverbs 19, 17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. And so we may not get repaid by the person that you're, that you're giving to. The poor person may not be able to be able to repay you, but certainly the Lord will. Not necessarily in this life. Don't hear me saying that. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I don't think that's how he functions but he will repay in the end, right? There's a day coming when all things will be laid open before him and we will be repaid on that day because this is something he cares about. We need to take care of the poor. Next rule, keep us from being dumb with money. Avoid debt whenever you can. This is a picture of Dave Ramsey. This is his uh, favorite saying, the borrower is slave to the lender. That's in Proverbs it's 22, verse 7. That's one of the things that uh, he touts regularly. If you've got several thousand dollars worth of debt, uh, you know this concept to be true as well. You are a slave to that debt, aren't you? You can't do the things you want to do. You want to go on vacation? You got that credit card debt. You got that student loan debt. You got that other debt, car debt. I've got all this debt, and so I can't do the things that I want to do, right? I can't be generous toward the poor. I can't help the church. I can't give generously to those who need because I've got all this other stuff that's going on, uh, and I need the money to be able to do, to make those payments. You're a slave to the one who has given you those things. So we need to avoid debt whenever possible. It's not a good thing. Often we think of it as a choice. Oh, I'll just go into debt. The Bible doesn't talk about it as a choice. It's not a good thing. You stay away from debt at all costs. Whenever possible, stay, stay away from debt. Remember this graphic from a couple weeks ago uh, as we were talking about self-control uh, and how our world is kind of out of control uh, in these areas and as well as uh, many, many, many more. Um, but credit card debt went up $46 billion in just three months. Uh, I think that's somewhere around $915 billion right now. Just showing that our culture as a whole, our world has a problem with, with debt. We like it too much because we like living outside of our means. You fix your budget and live within your means and you won't get into trouble with debt. Listen to Proverbs 11, verse 15. Whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm. But he who hates striking hands and pledge is secure. So you start thinking, well, isn't it a good thing to help someone who needs help? We just talked about that, right? One of the ways to not be dumb with money is to help those who need help. And how's this verse? It seems like he's saying, well, don't help the person who needs help. That's not what he's saying. This seems to be... Something like a get get rich quick kind of scheme. Someone comes to you and they say, "Well, if you were to invest this amount of money in my my new venture, uh, then in two years, five years, ten years, you'll have your re your have your um, your capital plus more." <coughs> he says, "This is a this is a bad idea for someone you don't know. Um, don't don't do this. This is too dangerous to play with." Fourth rule, 
Don't pretend to have more or less than you actually have. Don't pretend to have more or less than you actually have. Um, Proverbs 12, 19, he says, Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. You see what he's saying there? I kind of like the way he phrases this. It's better, it's better to be humble. It's better to appear poor. It's better to look poor and have someone who serves you than to puff out your chest and say, oh, I'm, I'm flush, I've got plenty of money in the bank, and to not even be able to have enough money to eat that day. A lot of times we'll see pictures uh, on someone's social media or we'll drive by their house or whatever. And we'll see, oh, that, that's a mansion. They live so well. Look at the car that they drive. Look at the clothes that they wear. Look at the school that their kids go to. Look at, look at, look at this, look at this. And what happens? Jealousy begins to set in, doesn't it? And covetousness begins to set in, doesn't it? And you start wanting what that person has. The only problem is often they don't actually have that either because they're so in, de in debt up to their eyeballs to get these things that they wanted originally. Now you want them too, and so the only way for you to get them is to get up to debt up to their eyeballs. You may recognize the guy on the screen behind me. This is Bertie Madoff. Um, you probably wanted what this guy had. If you were to see pictures of his house and his vacations, his yacht, uh, he's worth tens of millions uh, back in the day. But now he's sitting in a prison cell and will be for the next 150 years, give or take, um, because he conned people into his lifestyle, right? Do these Ponzi schemes and get-rich-quick things. and It's not smart to, to look like you have more or less money than you actually have. It just ends up poorly for everyone concerned. Listen to these Proverbs 13, verse 7. He says, One pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Proverbs 13, 7 gives you the other side of the coin. We just talked about those who actually are pretending to be wealthy, but are actually poor. This verse talks about those who are wealthy pretending to be poor. Well, why would anybody pretend to be poor if they weren't actually poor? Well, the only reason I can think of is that someone would expect something from you. And if you're poor, they don't expect anything from you. How many Christians have plenty of money to do the things they want to do, but when it comes to giving to the church, they're poor and barely make ends meet? Right? Rather than pretending to be either rich or poor, Proverbs counsels us to be thankful for what we have and to use it for God's glory. Rule number five, don't sacrifice what's truly valuable for the sake of money. Money's not anything. It's just a piece of paper, right? It's a piece of paper that we've given attributed value to, but it's nothing. Don't sacrifice what's truly valuable for the sake of money. <clears throat> Proverbs 22, 12 says that a good name is chosen rather than great riches. A good reputation is worth a lot, isn't it? Often we sacrifice that for money. He says, some things aren't worth sacrificing to obtain money for. It's a bad trade. A good name is one of those things. A good reputation is one of those things. And it's something that money can't replace if you've lost it. You know that to be true, don't you? 
Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it's gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Money isn't worth sacrificing your health, family, or life for. All those things are more precious than money. Proverbs teaches us that the pursuit of wealth is not a good way to spend your life. It's a bad way to spend your life. There's too many other important things like your family, this congregation, and your salvation to spend your life on than to spend it on the pursuit of money. It's not worth it. Now that's a hard lesson to learn because our culture tells us that it is. This is something we're going to have to believe God on and not focus on what our culture is trying to sell us because they sell us lies. They sell us things that are harmful for us. Don't sacrifice what is truly valuable for the sake of money. Next thing, <clears throat> rule number six. Don't be fooled by get-rich-quick schemes. Now, the promise of money has always been a temptation, but it's gotten so much worse over the last several decades. I think as and you can kind of tell that by credit card debt rising, by car debt rising, everything's on the rise as far as financial stuff goes, as far as debt goes, everything's on the rise. So it seems like we've bought into this lie that I can have what I want and not have to sacrifice to have it. So don't be fooled by get-rich-quick schemes. Listen to Proverbs 13.11. It says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. That's what we found too, isn't it? Uh, if you get a whole bucket load of money, what happens to it? it? Scoots right underneath the door so fast you can't even see it, doesn't it? But if you scrimp and save, <coughs> excuse me, over the space of several years, what happens? Well, you use that money to pay down debt, usually, right? You use that money to do something that's worthwhile, usually, right? But if we get a big check, usually... It's gone very quickly, isn't it? Because we haven't changed the habits that the financial habits that we that we live our lives by, and so that money just leaves very quickly. Proverbs encourages us to change our financial habits so that they're more godly. Not so they're more financially responsible, not so that they're more physically responsible, but so that they're more holy because we're interested in holiness right God doesn't care about your bank account he cares how you use your bank account and so if there's five dollars or if there's five million dollars in there he does not care right he doesn't care about money this is not something that's on his uh, radar remember the woman that gave uh, uh, two pennies in the collection basket that one day Jesus was sitting outside the temple and all these Pharisees they come by and they give millions and millions and millions of dollars but this woman woman comes by and she gives what's essentially uh, I think a quarter of a penny and Jesus was more impressed with her giving than he was all the other ones do you remember why because she gave everything she had to live on before everything else she was honoring God with her money it really comes down to that it really comes down to that idea. Um, he wants us to use our money to be holy. Financial security is not that big a deal to him. There's nothing wrong with it, right? 
It's not a sin to be wealthy. Certainly, there are wealthy people in Scripture. Nicodemus is a wealthy guy. What's he do toward? <coughs> Excuse me. What's he do toward the end of Jesus's life? He <coughs> he sells off some of that apparently and starts buying a small fortune uh, of oils with which to anoint Jesus's body. Joseph of Arimathea is in the same boat. Here's a wealthy guy who has done what? He has donated his uh, plot to Jesus. Uh, Zacchaeus is a wealthy guy, right? What does he do? Do you remember? Well, he gives anything that he stole from someone, he gives them four times back what he had taken. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. It's how you look at it and how you use it. So whether you have $5 or $5 million in the bank, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care whether you're rich or poor. He cares how you use what you have. Are you using it to honor Him? Or are you using it for yourself? Proverbs would encourage us to use it to be holy. We also need to learn to be content with what we have. This is the seventh and final rule. I know it's a lot of rules. I'll post them on Facebook later. Um, I should have done these in separate sermons, I guess. But number seven, rule number seven is learn to be content with what you've got. Proverbs 30, this is the verse that, uh, that Nathan read for us today. How many of us have prayed this prayer? God, don't make me rich because then I, I'm, I just might, I might turn around and push you away from me. But don't make me poor either because then I might dishonor you by having to steal. That's not a very good prayer, is it? It's an inspired prayer. It's one the Proverbs writer seems to pray. And so you find here this lesson of contentment. He doesn't need, he doesn't want all the things. He's happy with what he's got because, check it out, because now he can trust in God for what he's got and for what he needs. If he's got too much money, he knows that he's going to start looking at his bank account and his wallet and thinking, I'll be just fine. That's the rich fool's problem in Luke 12, isn't it? He's trusted in all these riches, and so he tears down his barns, he builds brand new ones, but he dies. He hasn't taken care of spiritual stuff. So he says, you don't need to trust your wallet, but you also don't need to be so poor that you have to steal to feed your family because that might, uh, that would defame God's name, that would dishonor uh, God. And so... The Proverbs writer says, you need to learn to be content with what you've got. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be, still, or at least I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. And so here are the rules. Wow. Oh. Check out what he says here in Proverbs, or 1 Timothy 6 real quick. He says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. 
Paul, I don't know if he had Proverbs 30 in mind when he penned these words, but he seems to be saying pretty much the same thing, right? Learn to be content with what you have. Often we strive and struggle for things that don't matter so much. And he says you need to strive and struggle for contentment. Be happy with what you got. Here are the seven rules to keep you from being dumb with money. Honor God with everything you've got. Before you're... Um, before you do anything else, honor God uh, with your money. Be generous to the poor. Avoid debt whenever possible. It's a bad idea. Don't pretend to have more or less than you have. Don't sacrifice what's truly valuable for the sake of money. There are things that you cannot get back with money that you will have lost because of money. Don't be fooled by get-rich-quick schemes and learn to be content with what you've got. So this morning... If you're struggling with money or with something else, we want to aid you in any way we can. I think these uh, Proverbs, um, I hope they've been uh, an encouragement to you. I hope they, they've helped um, teach us something about money. I think they've stepped on my toes. Uh, I bet they have yours as well. Um, but I hope maybe something's been said today that will, will prick your heart and make you start thinking about your spiritual condition. Often how we use money will tell you a lot about your spiritual condition if you're generous to the poor, if you're loving uh, or if you're, you're generous toward uh, the church, generous toward God, then there's something to be said about your faith. There's something to be said about your trust there. But if you're pulling back, if you're stingy, if you're looking all the time at your bank account and not content with what you have, then there's something to be said there about your faith as well too, isn't there? So today maybe you're struggling with something with this uh, or with something else. We can help you in any way. Why don't you come this morning as we stand and sing? Jesus is tenderly calling me home, calling today, calling today. Fly from the sunshine of Good morning, church family. 
you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. Um, if you can take a moment to uh, fill out a visitor card to let us know um, that you're here, um, you can drop it off in the drop boxes in the back. We'd love to have uh, uh, be able to talk to you uh, more. Uh, Chris, that was a very rich lesson, buddy. Appreciate it. But uh, a <laughs> um, couple, uh, couple of reminders that, uh, as a reminder, that today is the potluck. Um, we'll be going to Middle Auditorium and lining up there. Uh, we'll be saying a prayer for the food in there as well. Um, we'll have 1 o'clock service. There will be no 6 o'clock service this evening. Um, and also, if you're wanting today to go to the Pumpkin House, uh, Chris will be taking the bus at 5.30. They'll be heading to Everoni's first and then walking across the street to go to the Pumpkin House and then going to Austin's after that. But if you're in Life Group 3, you cannot go. Life Group 3 is Connie and Jeremy's um, uh, Life Group, and they are having their Life Group meeting at 5.30 at their house. I mean, I'm sorry, at Joe and, and uh, Sandy Galloway's Pond at 5.30. Uh, bring a chair with you. Um, we'll be having hot dogs and s'mores. Uh, it should be a lot of fun, so that's for Life Group 3. And also uh, another Life Group message, uh, Life Group 2, that's Gary and John's Life Group. We'll be meeting this Friday on November the 4th at 6.30 at Perry, at, not Perry, wow, at Gary and Pam's house. I try to put Gary and Pam's name together. Um, so Gary and Pam's house, uh, this will be a fellowship and planning session. Uh, bring finger foods, drinks will be provided. Um, please, if you can, please come if you can. Uh, bring your ideas and suggestions. Uh, see Gary and Pam if you need uh, directions on how to get to their house. Um, also, November 2nd will be an elders meeting and stepping stone supper. Beef stroganoff is... Um, on the menu for the Stepping Stone Supper. Uh, this helps support the mission fund, so we'd love to have you for that. Also, November 12th is the men's meeting. Um, breakfast will be provided starting at 8 o'clock, and the meeting will start at 8.30. November 20th, as, as Jerry mentioned, will be our debt retirement. Um, so this, remember to put that in your calendars. Also, uh, if you're in middle school and high school, there's two sign-up sheets on the four-year board. Um, one is for the youth, Fort Hill Youth Rally, which is this weekend. And there's also CYC, which you need to sign up by the 27th. Updates on our prayer list. Remember to continue to keep Amber Spitzer in your prayers and Jennifer Baker and Terry Leap in your prayers as they deal with cancer. Keep them in your prayers. Keep Gail Hewitt in your prayers as well as she deals with a blood clot in her leg. And also, remember, continue to keep Sandy Hughes in your prayers as well. Um, that's Jennifer Ward's mother. Um, also, uh, prayers have been requested for Mark Calicote. So keep Mark Calicote in your prayers. And also prayers for Sean Nance. Um, uh, Sean is dealing with cancer as well, so keep them in your prayers as well. Uh, the service project for today, we will be going to Peg and Roger's house um, after our 1 o'clock service, we'll be meeting up front up here, and um, uh, so if you're wanting to go to that, and uh, am I allowed to say what we're going to do? Okay, I'm not allowed to say what we're going to do. Here's some facts to find out. But uh, that's all the announcements I have. Um, please stick around and stay for the potluck. We'd love to have you. We'll sing one more song. We just missed in prayer.
Let's stand again. We'll sing hymn number 336. Is it for me? 336. We'll sing the first and third verse, and Brother Sa uh, Wilson will have her prayer. Is it for me, dear Savior, thy glory and thy rest? For me so weak and sinful, oh, shall I be so blessed? Oh, Savior, my Redeemer, what can I but adore? And magnify and praise thee and love thee evermore. Oh, Savior, precious Savior, my heart is at thy feet. I bless thee and I love thee and thee I long to be. Oh, Savior, my Redeemer, why can I but adore and magnify and praise Thee and love Thee evermore. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for this time that you've allowed us to come together here this morning to sing songs of praise to your name, to study from your word. Lord, we pray that everything that's been done and said here this morning has been in accordance with your word and has been pleasing in your sight. Lord, we thank you so much for your son and his willingness to come to this earth to live, suffer, die, and rise again for us so that one day if we follow your commandments, we can have a home in heaven with you. Lord, we pray that you'll be with us as we go to um, the dinner next door. Pray that you'll bless the food and those that prepared it. And Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to be with us through this day, through the week. And Lord, let us always be found to be following your word, be bringing others to you. Lord, we pray that you'll be with us and forgive us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.